0: Welcome to the Real Estate Explainer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kazula. On today's episode, we have Ron Phillips and Heather Marchant with RP Capital. We're going to be talking about some of the niche markets that they're doing transactions in across the United States. Let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. Hey, Ron, Heather, I just wanted to say thanks for jumping on the, the podcast today. One of the really cool things that I get to do in my day-to-day world is to talk to real estate investors across the United States. And a lot of the investors that I talk to, it turns out, are your clients so i really do get to see some of the cool niche markets that you guys are working in so i figured uh, we'd start it out by just letting the audience know you know what do you do and then if you could really just kind of do a deep dive into some of the niche markets that you're in and why you go into those markets so i'll let you take it over
1: happy to be here um, we love you guys and what you've been able to do for for us personally but also for our clients so it's fantastic to be on the show we basically in a nutshell what we do is we help people who want to invest in real estate but really are either fearful or don't know how. We provide free education for people who want to invest in real estate. And then we take this step further than that. When I was um, early on in, I don't know, 2004, I got stuck with a whole bunch of, re- of rental properties. And I realized after getting stuck with those rental properties, because I was in the flipping business, that the rental game's really not that bad of a game. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And I You're realized like, wait that,
2: a minute, I'm not stuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, like this is actually pretty cool. Then I realized that there's a whole mountain of people in the country who they yeah. don't have the teams, they don't have the experience and the know-how, they don't know where to find the deals, and they may live in an area where the where the cash flows just don't work because the prices are so high and the rents are they just not gonna meet them. And I realized that I had the teams, I had the location, and I had the experience. So why not just amplify what i was doing and help a whole bunch of other people do the same thing and since 2005 i've been doing that and heather has been with me since 2007 so nearly the entire time wow
0: what marco was that originally where were you when you got started back in 2004 or flipping in 2004 kansas
1: Kansas city City. missouri and we're still there yeah um
2: never stopped
1: and it's funny because heather if you recall um you know, to answer your second question brian We were also in some high appreciating markets early on because they were really they were appreciating, but they could still cash flow. Then, when everything fell apart in two thousand eight, we moved heavily into those markets that were high appreciating and had fallen apart because they turned back into cash flow markets. And our yeah, back in two thousand
0: seven, I think you know right around that time period. 2004 I was working with a home builder in San Diego. So definitely oh. the market that was going up and by 2007 definitely the market that was falling apart. So that, you know, high appreciation market, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: so we just we move around based on, you know, what the market trends are. Right now we're in high cash flow markets in the Midwest that are safe and, you know, in the event that things fall apart again, whenever that happens, we'll we'll probably move about again, a little bit <laughs> based on, <laughs> on what happens in the market. Yes,
0: yeah, so I was looking at uh, one of the markets that you guys are in. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the call because I was talking to uh, Shane about some of the properties that you actively have available. And a market like Kingfisher, Oklahoma, you know, and it's not, you can look at these markets broad-based, just like you could look at any city. But then within the city, there's all of these micro locations. So what is it? about the properties in Kingfisher, Oklahoma that drove you to those specific properties.
2: You know, it's really interesting because Kingfisher is in the metro of Oklahoma City, right? So you have Oklahoma City that's expanding and Oklahoma City having visited so many times, it's unique to me that it's pretty sprawling. I mean, most of the homes there are on at least a quarter acre. And so Uh you have this big sprawling expansion of the city. And when we were there, we just saw that the city is expanding and and kind of swallowing up these smaller towns that have been there for a long time. If you read about Kingfisher, Oklahoma, just in Googling, people are like, oh, super small town, you know, and it's a good family-friendly environment or whatever. But the city is growing and swallowing up those smaller towns. And Ron's seen that, firsthand with what city was it that you visited that you thought was so far out? I can't remember what city it was in Oklahoma City.
1: Oh, yeah. It was um, Mustang and Yukon, which are now like they are in the metro. I mean, when we went out there, it was they were way out there. (laughs) But it's it's not like this only happens in the Midwest. Here's the thing. Like people in California, they they they've only grown up with this massive metro and you say LA and everybody, everybody includes inside of LA, you know, they, they include Culver city and sure Englewood and like all these little, well, little tiny cities yeah. and LA gobbled them up. They're still the yeah, city. A, they're still there. I mean, you just can't tell when you leave, you know, Culver city and you go to the next city, whatever the next city happens to be. You, you can't tell. we were,
0: when I was working with a builder way back when now, that's exactly what we were doing. They were uh, building out in Paris. So beyond Riverside, and we had a lot of clients that were coming in from LA. They'd lived in Corona. They were used to commuting that far into the city already. They knew they could get a, a better home, a better school district, you know, just a better situation if they're willing to drive another 30 minutes to get to work. And exactly. that's what I was looking at when I was specifically looking at Kingfisher, Oklahoma. It's like, all right, well, it's further outside of town, but you've got new homes. So we're talking new homes with less maintenance, a lower price point and good school districts. Plus, you're starting to see all the shopping, the really key stores that are building up around that area. So while it might be that vision of what is it going to be in five years or you know 10 years, you know, I look back to uh, what Paris was and what Inglewood, Engle- you know, was and what it is today. And you're absolutely right. You do see those cities really grow up. And I think the, the nice thing about it is you end up a lot of times with uh, properties in master plan communities that really have all the amenities yeah. that you're looking for, whether it's schools and parks. Not everybody likes to be in a HOA or a PUD, a PUD, but they do have their benefits because they do tend to keep everything nice around you you don't have your random neighbor painting their door purple.
2: <laughs> Unless you like
0: purple purple guys.
2: So. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. I think I've been in Oklahoma City several times this year and looking at these communities that are needing... Needing housing. So you have the city growing in that direction, but you also have these smaller towns that need housing. And they're, they're actually courting builders to come in and build yep. in these smaller yep. communities. And o- some of them have even gifted land or offered land at a discount that the city owns because they need housing so badly. So not Kingfisher specifically, but several other surrounding cities around Oklahoma City that are commuter cities, really.
1: This is also something that right now in the news, we get all these conflicting reports about supply and demand, right? we have, Demand right now is down because interest rates are up, but that's an artificial drop of demand. The demand is actually still there. There is a need for housing and yep. there's a need specifically for affordable housing and especially Absolutely. because the interest rates have gone up. Yeah. And that's what these cities, these little towns, they're begging for builders to come in and build affordable housing. The dirty little secret in the building community however is that it's almost impossible to profitably build housing that's affordable. There's no money in it right now, especially where the interest rates are so high. I was just talking to a builder friend of mine who builds in Memphis and right now they're developing lots for $65,000 lots, right? My buddy has right, some so lots. Right, so that's that are-
0: that's a higher end lot, I mean depending on where you're at. So $65,000 for an affordable housing I mean, that doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It
1: doesn't work. But you can't, like, they can't get land inexpensively enough for the infrastructure. And once you put the infrastructure, there's a hard cost to the infrastructure. And I think people just misunderstand that the dirt cost is also really high right now. And then on top of that, you have the the building costs that haven't gone down a ton. Um, I mean, right now, you're able to beat up the subs maybe just a little bit, but not that much hard cost on a house without profit, without soft costs already puts the house out of affordable home range.
0: So uh, I so, think, you know, I think that kind of dives a little bit deeper too, because when you're talking about building out the infrastructure, a lot of times the builders are forced to bake that into the CDD. So you're going to have an increased tax bait base sometimes in these newer communities, because you've got to put in the roads, you have to put in the sewer. Yeah. And so the the house might be priced affordably, but then you look at your property taxes and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're going to be a little bit higher. So that's something to definitely look at. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, U.S. Tax Advisors Group, a cost segregation company. If you're interested in learning more about cost segregation, log on to realestateexplainer.com and click the cost segregation button on the top of the page. So we we've just talked about the new home communities that you guys offer. If we had one of those pins in Google Earth, we could just drop it and kind of pick it up, take it from like Kingfisher, Oklahoma, and then maybe move it over to another one of your communities or areas that you're selling in, which are not new homes. But let's say uh uh Birmingham, Alabama, for example, where you're working with rehabs or contractors mm-hmm. that are rehabbing older properties and you're still creating those affordable homes in those areas. So when you're, when you're talking to investors, can you kind of talk a little bit about the two properties, the new homes in Kingfisher, Oklahoma versus those rehab properties in Birmingham, Alabama? You know, some of the pros and cons.
2: Yeah, I, I, let's take a step back too and look at our criteria probably because that might be helpful context. So what we're looking for is first some job growth, some some healthy, healthy stable economy, right? With some commercial development, yep. population growth. Um, we're looking for affordability. We want it to be in an affordable price range that takes out several markets in the country that are just not affordable. We want landlord-friendly legislation, which also takes out a lot of, Places in the country. I mean, California—the whole state—is is out with a landlord f- legislation that's landlord friendly. So, if you are looking at you know the whole United States, you just start knocking off options, and then you start zeroing in right on. Okay, so we're looking for places that have job growth and that there's demand for rentals. Right, good property management in place that you have good schools, shopping, healthcare, all of the things that you know where where people want to live right and so when you get into those like that birds eye view and then you start zeroing in on okay here's some markets that work so birmingham alabama definitely affordable the economy's been growing there we have good property management there we start zeroing in so comparing the two new construction versus renovated properties typically your renovated properties are going to have a higher rate of return because they kind of have to to compete with something brand new. <laughs> it's like a brand new car versus a used car. People are going to want to buy the brand new car if it's going to be the same price. Why in the world would you buy a used car if it's the same price as a brand new car? So having some uh, additional cash flow for per dollar spent is... Really, a big incentive with those renovated properties. Um, it's a good entry level point with your a brand new investor. That's how I started was a renovated property because it was a little intimidating to put more was, money down. Uh, was as that a down payment. Bell? My first property, yeah. Yeah, was
0: it Fayetteville? Yes, yep, I remember. We did a, a project for you you guys up there oh, a couple yeah. of years ago and we were talking about it. Yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah, oh, it's waking me out. Yep. I'm like, yes. How
0: did you yeah. know that? stalker. <laughs> Brian is a stalker. Yeah, exactly. Now, good memory. <laughs> that's what it is. Awesome. So, well, well, yeah, man. absolutely.
2: Yeah. And, and My you know, one of the cool things... was Birmingham, though, is what I was going to say. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay,
0: Birmingham. So, the cool thing about, uh, you know, again, what you guys do in, in helping investors buy in these niche markets across the United States. So you maybe have a a new home community with a lower ROI. You're not gonna make as much monthly and you're taking also that same principle and you're applying it to the used or resale market in let's say Birmingham, Alabama, but then you're working with builders that you know, like, and trust, property managers that you know, like, and trust, and you're seeing a little bit higher ROI on those properties. And it blows my mind because you can get into a property in Alabama for under $200,000 so you yeah. can get in under $200,000 your rates might be a little bit higher but you're still penciling those with your pro formas and I think that that's such a cool thing because you don't have to start out with a $500,000 investment property all of a sudden you can buy a $180,000 investment property $150,000 investment property that has a return on investment with today's interest rates, which means that when things come back down in the future, you can refinance out of them. Now to segue again, what I wanted to talk about next was when you're looking at these communities and you're uh, looking at the different investment types, I've listened to the Get Real podcast that that you host several episodes and you really are good about explaining the different types of properties, the A, B, C, and D type properties. Now, I'd imagine that, uh, well, I'm not going to imagine. I'll just ask. Tell me about the, the different types of properties.
1: Okay, don't, don't buy D-class properties. Um, <laughs> so we're not
0: starting backwards. D is not We're going to go back. We're
1: going to go backwards because, it, you know, <laughs> one of the things that there are, there are a lot of companies out there that pitch D-class properties because on paper, they look really, really attractive. Super Very, attractive. very low price point. Yeah. High potential cash on cash return. And if you walk down the street, you may or may not get shot.
0: All right. Sounds pretty bad. Don't want to have that. That's where
1: the, the, so it looks good on paper, cute little bungalow house. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can potentially, I mean, we talk to people all the time and who unfortunately have bought these and they call us and they're like, Hey, can you help me unload these? Uh, no, no, we can't actually, we can maybe get you to a realtor locally who can try to help you unload them. But the reality of the situation is that those properties don't appreciate and they have incredibly high turnover. You do not want those houses. So let's focus on A, B, and C. A is what we were just talking about new construction, new areas, new master plan communities, new, new, new. It's like where everybody wants to live, is the greatest thing. A property in an A area, they typically have lower cash on cash returns because the prices are higher, et cetera. But the reason a lot of people like them, at least our clients, is because they're busy and they just don't have very many problems. Like you said earlier, Brian, they, they don't have a whole lot of uh, maintenance problems. Typically, your tenants who, who are living in there, the residents, they are a little higher because they're paying a higher uh, rates to get in there. They have more stable jobs. They just don't have as many turnover problems. Just in general, the the risk of uh, associated with owning a rental property are mitigated in in that. Because of mm-hmm. that, you get a little bit lower cash on cash return.
0: Would you say in those areas you you may uh, get higher appreciation over time? So over the long and run, it might you're getting paid that way instead of probably monthly rents?
1: and and probably faster as well.
2: Yeah, right. And I will add too, with my new construction versus renovated in my portfolio, one of the biggest differences I've seen is my tenants stay longer, so you have less tenant okay. turn cost, which which is real cost it's and cost. Uh, less vacancy time. Most of my tenants in new construction just stay for like the whole time I own the property. Like that's pretty, has been common for me. I'm like knocking on wood over here. I want it to stay common, but, and they take care of it as if they owned it. I mean, they, my tenant, that lived in my Oklahoma house for three years, moved out and I had an agent go in to l- get it listed on the MLS. And he said it didn't even need the carpets cleaned. I mean, it was that's in awesome. immaculate yeah. condition. So I'm just putting that I out mean, there. I mean, I should say Let
1: that me. that typically doesn't happen. So well, have <laughs> I I, hey, really... Get the lottery on that particular resident in her house. So just just understand that <laughs> you, you typically have to clean the carpets. Uh, I, folks. Know, so, I know. But new construction just has less problems. And that's why a lot of people like them. So, you know, maybe just to use some some numbers, maybe you're at a 7 or an 8% cash on cash return on a, on a new construction, which is still incredible, instead of a 12% return on a, on a, you know, an older, like a B yeah. class or C class property they're willing to give up for because they just don't want the phone calls and they don't want to deal with it. And then we have other other clients who are like, yeah, actually I'm I'm buying this because I need more cash flow. And if you need more cash flow, then well, more cash flow is a B class and C class. B class right. is just a, a little bit older, you know, they're still really nice houses, but they're just a little bit less expensive. And then C so class So it depends
0: is, on your requirement as an investor what you need. You're saying if you're looking for that brand new property, you're not going to get the, the return, uh, the cash on cash return today on the rents. But if you're okay holding on for a little bit longer, you're going to reap the, the appreciation possibly in that property and rents will definitely increase over time. If you are looking to supplement your income today, you're moving out of uh, a job and you're looking to buy real estate, specifically to generate income, then the B and C properties might be the best opportunity for you. Is that is that fair to say?
2: I think it depends. And I love a combination personally. I love right. a combination yeah. of the two because you get the advantages of the A class and you get the advantages of the B class and combined your cash on cash is higher. I'm a big fan of that.
1: <sighs> yeah, makes mitigating sense. risk through, through, you know, buying multiple different. And I think in multiple different areas too. Yeah. The cool thing about the, and we were in, we're in what, 10, 10 areas right now, Heather, somewhere around there, give or take one. The cool thing is that, that you can, you can have a diversified portfolio inside of real estate. Everybody thinks you have to have a diversified portfolio with money all over the place and a whole bunch of different things. Well, real estate, the returns, remember there's, there's four different returns. We're talking about cash on cash return and appreciation, but you also have somebody paying down your mortgage, right? So you have a principal reduction that's happening all the time, every single month. And then you have tax incentives. So you have all four of those. And when you combine all four of those, even if you're starting with a, you know, seven or 8% return over time, you're getting a, a pretty solid double digit return. And you can diversify that via asset class and you can diversify that via area and city. And each one of those areas and each one of those asset classes has different unique pros and cons, which is why we meet with everybody individually and try to figure out, you know, what's going to be best by going over all the stuff we're talking about, Brian, what, what's the pros and cons of these different ones? We can also talk about single family versus duplex and fourplex, right? Because there's pros and cons to both of those types of properties. And then inside of each one of those, there's A, B, and C, yeah. and there's multiple areas, yeah. right? So Interesting. Um, there's this plethora of smorgasbord of investments out there that most people don't even realize are available, and they are.
2: And pretty easily. I mean, we have... The the thing that I think helps our clients be able to take this on and try this out and when they haven't maybe bought out-of-state properties before in a lot of ways is having a company that looks at the properties, finds the, finds the builders and rehabbers. We do a lot of rinse and repeat. A lot of our sellers are long-term sellers. We do not own the property that we sell. That's usually something people assume in hearing like what we do, that we're selling property we built, and that is not the case. Um, as well, we don't, we don't manage them after closing. We have property managers locally that we interview and recommend. We try to keep our ear to the ground long-term and help clients if they have, need to switch management companies or whatever in the future. Having someone on your team that can help walk you through that and help you put your team in place locally so that you can be successful is probably something that holds most people back. Most people that call us say, "Man, I've always wanted to do this. My dad, like my grandpa, you know, yeah. they they did real estate and they were super successful and I've wanted to do this, but, you know, there's always that but and it's usually I just don't know enough or I don't have the team in place. Like I would need a property manager. And or so i got feel to like put
1: 60% piece. down to make a cash flow in my backyard, yes. which is where everybody tells me Solid. I need to invest in my backyard. And, you know, there's so many different things that cause people fear and cause them to hesitate about moving forward with something that legitimately we've seen thousands of people. It alter their lives, both of us included.
0: Yeah. Um, for it's
1: sure. pretty, it's pretty special and, you know and I can I
0: think- and that was going to be the last topic, and you guys really nailed it is, you know overcoming the fear associated with investing in property that's outside of your market, meaning not in your backyard that's absolutely uh you know you nailed it. I mean, Heather just went over it as far as you know it's having that team in place that can take care of the hot water heater that failed and you have to get taken care of on a Saturday. You're not having to call a plumber. You're calling the property manager that your team is vetted in really taking away, you know, that pain point. You have that team in place that can really take care of all those, you know, issues that you'd normally have. It's the same thing, like if you were to say, okay, I want to invest in the United States and you throw a dart at the the you know, <laughs> the map. You know, I, I think sometimes that's how people are are selecting the areas that they're investing in. What you guys have done is you've brought it together where you've identified these niche markets across the United States, then you've built a team in those markets that can help your investors be successful in real estate investing. And you've just created this package that works so well. And I can say firsthand that I've worked with your clients for the last, I don't know, three plus years now. And they buy properties every single year. They'll buy one the next year. Maybe they'll buy two. Maybe they'll uh, move up from single family and they'll buy a small apartment complex. So it's really neat to see uh, what you've done firsthand, and really, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to to have you on the podcast today. And I think, uh, you know, we could probably wrap it up right there. But I do want you know people just to have a real good uh, way to get in touch with you. Certainly, they can uh, hop onto the Get Real podcast. What is the best way for clients to reach out to you if they are looking to invest in real estate in niche markets across the United States that do generate you know, a positive return on investment month after month?
2: Well, I would say a couple other things that I would add that are important to us, and Ron mentioned it a little bit, is that wealth plan. Meeting with people and going through and understanding what's important to the individual about owning real estate has been really um, a game changer for our clients and for us, and being able to help them. So, we prefer to set up that free consultation with potential clients so that they can have a better handle and a better idea and understanding as to what real estate can do for them specifically. So to set that up, you can email us at invest at rpcinvest.com is probably the easiest way to reach us. But our podcast is getrealestatesuccess.com. You can go on there and we have, man, we have so many episodes. I feel like I'm 100 years old, but we have like over (laughs) 200 episodes. You can search them. You can search like by keywords and content. So if you have questions specific to a topic in owning rental properties, we man, I feel like we've covered I, just about everything. Ron I, I
1: I can't imagine we haven't covered it uh, <laughs> I know. on the show. We both have the our positives time. and the negatives. I'm yes. certain that we've covered them. So feel yes. free to I mean, we'd love to have um, more people obviously listen but also learn. Like you said Brian, people buy over and over it is the healthiest addiction other <laughs> than the gym that you can do for yourself. I suggest you do both and you do them <laughs> on a regular repeat. Real estate has changed my and my family's life for generations. And it can do the same for other, for everybody who's listening. It's just, it's, it's the most amazing thing for wealth building that I've seen.
2: Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you for being on the podcast today.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite.
0: If you would like more information on Northport, visit realestateexplainer.com backslash Northport.